Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to episode 29 of the Cloudcast. We're coming to you live from our massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. You know, one of the most heavily requested topics from our listeners in our 2011-2012 Improve the Podcast survey was to expand the conversation around platform as a service and really start to dive into these platform as a service platforms or PaaS platforms. So, you know, back in 2011, we talked about both Red Hat's OpenShift platform and VMware's Cloud Foundry platform, which, you know, back in last summer were really in very early stages. Um, today, we're going to take a little, a slightly different look at, at PaaS, and we're going to talk with the CEO and co-founder of Apprenda, Sinclair, Sinclair Schuler. Sinclair, good morning. How are you doing today? Good. Good morning to you. Thanks for coming on. Um, and it wouldn't be a, a PaaS-centric show for us if we didn't bring back uh, Clint Greenwood. Uh, Clint's going to help us co-host. Um, last time Clint was on, you were uh, sort of a colleague of mine at Cisco. You've, you've gone back. You're, you're back to your roots at General Electric, and you're helping them drive their PaaS strategy. So, Clint, thanks for coming on this morning, man. Thanks for having me. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to you uh, diving into some of the um, application developer level stuff that uh, you know you've got much more experience on than I do. So uh, good to have you back. So uh, Sinclair, you know, for the folks that uh, may not know Apprenda, you've been in this space for, for a while now. It's very, very cool to have um, somebody on the show who not only is uh, deep into the technology, you obviously, uh, you know, hands-on, know the platform that you've built, but you're running the company. Tell us about Apprenda. Tell us a little bit about your background and, and how you got into the sort of platform-as-a-service space. Yeah, sure. I'd love to. Um, I think probably the the best startups always start with a horror story, and that's kind of how Apprenda started. Um, I spent some time in enterprise IT, specifically at organizations like the State University System in New York and Morgan Stanley. And a couple of things that I learned during that process was how cumbersome IT was in those situations. And it was really around the application development-centric side of the house. Uh, I was an app developer for the early part of my career. And you spent a lot of time in enterprise IT thinking about, well, A, what applications did we have to build that the business required? But then second, how do we get those applications up and running on our infrastructure? And across applications, what sort of commonality was there so that we didn't go reinvent the wheel? And the typical story at a place like Morgan Stanley was that you'd spend one, two, three, four months building an application that was needed by somebody on the business side of the house, and it would take you just as much time, one, two, three, four months, to deploy the application. And you step back, and just mind-boggling, right? You put in all this effort, you spend three, four months writing an app, and then to spend 90 days to get it up and running is just mind-blowing because no more code is being written. Um, and you kind of start to dig in as to why, and you find a couple of things. Some of it is uh, warranted bureaucracy. There are lots of reasons why you shouldn't you know, put, the, put the gas to the floor with respect to getting apps deployed on the infrastructure from a uh, governance and security point of view. But then you look at those 90 days that you spend deploying an app, and really you can find like 40, 50, 60, 80 days worth of cruft that's related to technical friction, uh, configuration of OSs, provisioning of servers or VMs, worrying about what happens if it's a distributed app and you need load balancers in place. All these things end up uh, end up being technical friction that slow the process down. And that was mind-blowing because you look at it and you say, well, a lot of this mechanically can be solved. Why spend those extra 80 days? The other thing that we noticed when uh, working in the enterprise IT context was that we'd be responsible for a portfolio of apps. And it was rare that you had enough site to think of all the services and libraries that would be shared across all of those applications. So you'd find yourself reinventing the wheel often. So let's say that you needed a distributed caching system. You might download an open source one one day or build one another day or modify somebody else's internal uh, cache on a third day. And you have all of these different approaches to what is a common architecture problem. And that was another uh, kind of 
green light moment for us that said, wow, there's, there's an interesting opportunity. So stepping out of that role, we said, what if we built a data center-wide OS, if you will, an operating system that could aggregate all of the infrastructure, the servers, the load balancers, and present it through APIs and portals as a single uh, unit, as a single logical hosting unit, so that developers could self-service against it and deploy applications and not go through the experiences I went through that would uh, cause it to take 90 days to deploy an app. Instead, the developer get an app up and running in like four minutes. And last is, could that operating system layer that's sitting on top of all those data center resources surface a set of very, very powerful platform services like caching, like message brokering, like scale-out capabilities, so that an app dev doesn't have to lose so much productivity around rewriting all of those pieces. Okay. And in in Apprenda, uh, in particular, you guys decided that uh, the focus space to go after, since you've got a background in both sort of the education space, but uh, the enterprise space as well, was to go after probably what's you know either the number one or number two sort of framework for developing applications, which is .NET, correct? Yeah, that's correct. So uh, this, this data center operating system concept, we said you can go one of two ways. You can either make it lowest common denominator and pursue more than one language or choose one. And when we were going to choose one and look at a depth play, we said, well, what's the most... Um, homogenous kind of single market chunk. And if you look at it, .NET is still a huge, huge fraction of the market. Um, and even more so than Java, you start to look at the, the Java fragments, right? Like WebSphere versus WebLogic versus uh, JBoss. And that sort of fragmentation as a startup would mean that we'd have to lose focus a bit. So .NET was just killer in that respect. Um, huge presence in enterprise, and that's exactly the motivation we pursued. Right. And and i, I got to imagine... With uh, with Microsoft Azure sort of having its stops and starts and stops and starts, it's, it's given you guys an opportunity to go to people and say, you know, maybe somewhere down the road, uh, you know, uh, in essence, the Microsoft Cloud may play a bigger role in your business, in your in your company, in your university, your government. But but right now, if you want to get stuff done, um, you know, you guys are a, a very viable, uh, legitimate on-premise type of offering for that. Is that is that fair enough? Yeah, that's fair. And, you know, interestingly, it's uh, it's not even a competitive case with something like Azure. We're very uh, ecosystem friendly with everything that's going on in Microsoft, both today and what's going on in the future. Um, you know, frankly, what we found is that platform as a service mechanically solves all those things that I talked about earlier. But the public form factor, um, just for a lot of different reasons, isn't what enterprises want today, not for their whole app portfolio. Most of these enterprises have like a thousand applications running internally, if not more. And there might be a fraction where public cloud is a viable target. But for the 95% of the apps that are staying in-house, they want that on-prem solution for their .NET apps. And there is nothing in the Microsoft ecosystem that fills that gap other than Apprenda. Right. Uh, um, so we're just, you know, very excited to be to be the ecosystem partner in that space. Yeah. Clint, so, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, so Sinclair, I'd say before we move down, down the road a bit further, can we just take a step back and give me your elevator pitch on what is PaaS? So your view of PaaS and then how Apprenda hits the CTQs or the goals uh, of PaaS. Sure, sure. So um, what is PaaS? Probably, to me, it's most simply defined as a pure abstraction of your infrastructure resources uh, in in its most simplest sense, meaning that platform as a service shoots to aggregate a set of resources, servers, load balancers, and pool them together in such a way that developers and IT staff no longer communicate about specific pieces of infrastructure. Instead, the first-class currency of discussion is the application and their components. So PaaS abstracts all the details away about the servers, the OSs, the load balancers, and creates a nice clean layer where all you're communicating about is applications and application instances and, and applications needs. 
Um, so that, that next level of abstraction above the data center is what passes. Okay. Uh, in terms of the kind of the key value drivers within platform as a service, we break it up into a couple of different uh, groups of value. One is developer value. So for developers, this means that they get very, very fast time to market for their applications. They can deploy apps in minutes or seconds rather than days or months. Uh, productivity boosts are through the roof. So we want developers to spend as many cycles as possible in platform as a service, writing powerful applications and not dealing with things that should be um, kind of the more mundane side of things. So deploying apps, managing apps, scaling apps. And second, uh, productivity is also boosted for developers by ensuring that they have available to them a set of services like caching capabilities, message brokers, all the moving parts that are required to build modern distributed apps without them having to build it themselves. So simplicity and productivity are the two virtues for devs. On the IT operator side, it's probably broken up uh, into single pane of glass management, so agility around the IT infrastructure. What we find is that IT staff and IT pros spend a lot of time managing individual apps and individual pieces of hardware uh, since each one is an exception to the rule, right? There's no conformity among how applications are built. There's no sense of lowest common denominator or an abstraction that everybody agrees on. So IT operators just spend a huge amount of time on managing those things as one-offs. Platform as a service uh, aggregates not just the resources, but aggregates the management tasks around all the applications that are deployed on it. Uh, so simplicity and agility are a huge part of what we try to drive for IT operators. And uh, I think the second piece is a new level of efficiency. We look at virtualization, and it's done a great job of making sure we can make better use of our infrastructure, aside from the storage problem. We won't get into that, probably another podcast. But um, the virtualization uh, approach is great, but it's not perfect. What we try to do with Platform as a Service is drive a higher level of efficiency by using tricks like multi-tenancy at the architecture layer so that you can pack many, many applications onto a fixed infrastructure footprint. And that sort of goal is a money savings goal out of, uh, out of everything else. So <clears throat> Apprentice is sort of unique in that, uh, and you brought this up just a second ago, you guys offer uh, sort of an on-premise or maybe you'd call it private cloud PaaS platform, which is... You know, sort of different than than what some of the other platforms out there in the market, where they today, at least for the most part, it's uh, available hosted on some other public you know public cloud. It's on Amazon or it's on you know, some, uh, Salesforce or something, um, which changes a little bit of the dynamics, right? Some of that stuff can kind of be uh, accessed via you know shadow IT or or directly by developers. How much different, and, and, and you know, as you're talking to your customers, how much different is that conversation to get essentially a private platform in place? It become, does it become more of an IT decision? Or are you still going in with, you know, going in sort of through the developer door into IT? Walk through what, what, what you're seeing as the difference as you're talking to customers, you're talking to developers. Yeah, sure. I think the answer is both. We go through IT and the developers, but uh, one thing to note is that sometimes it's exactly the same as public pass. We uh, have customers that we're fundamentally a platform as a service engine, meaning you can put it on top of any Windows infrastructure and you get a pass out of that. That Windows infrastructure could be in the public cloud. You can layer a Prenda on EC2 or you can layer it inside your own private cloud or in your data center. Okay. Whatever you layer it on, you'll get a pass, right? Um, and the reason I say that is that we find some customers want the PaaS layer, but they may be very comfortable deploying it to a public cloud and getting the benefits of having a public cloud infrastructure out there. They just have a private instance of it that isn't shared among other people. Um, so to answer your question, when I said both, it depends. So we find that there are two types of organizations. Some organizations that 
fundamentally know they want to have a private PaaS, that tends to be a central IT decision driven by some part of the IT operator group. And typically, the story goes that they'll have you know thousands of developers in their organization. A bunch of them are doing these shadow IT projects. And those shadow IT projects may be outside of the bounds of security or legal or regulatory uh, control. And it makes enterprises very nervous. And rather than trying to shut it down, we're finding that a lot of those central IT organizations are saying, well, what if we offer that same service internally? Uh, from the developer's point of view, they still get a URL. They log into their browser. Uh, they're hitting huge, massive infrastructure with high levels of reliability. Something like a Prenda could be layered on thousands of servers. It doesn't you know, really matter from the technology's perspective. Right. And the developer is consuming, essentially, a platform. And from their point of view, internal or external doesn't matter. Uh, for the organizations that don't have those, those um, I guess, experience-motivated PaaS initiatives already, we'll find that the developers are the ones that we communicate with first. And in that context, it's usually because they're more familiar with things like platform as a service uh, than their IT operator counterparts are. And in that context, they get excited by the value prop that they achieve as individual developers. They may have used Apprenda on their own, downloaded it off our website. And if they're excited enough, then they might uh, push their IT staff internally to deploy an instance. So those are our two avenues that we find the most productive. Okay. Clint, does that, uh, does that sound similar to the, the types of challenges that you're, you're dealing with uh, in, in your enterprise today in terms of trying to figure out how to get it started, how to coordinate people within IT or your developer community? Yeah, definitely. It's a lot of herding cats. I shed a tear earlier when um, uh, Sinclair mentioned enterprise IT and horror store in the same sentence because uh, I'm somewhat living that, that dream right now. Uh, but there are definitely challenges there, and I think that, that PaaS and you know the, the cloudy environment we're heading toward is going to help us w- with some of those. But again, organization is always going to be one of your uh, biggest barriers to entry. Yeah, yeah, that was what, that was sort of why I asked the question because it, it the technologies are evolving very quickly. People are getting comfortable with them, as you mentioned. It's 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 getting either your your people to get over the hump of you know what do I own, what do I control, you know where do my silos still lie um, to you know sort of changing some of these operations. So I'm I'm always very curious as to the people that are successful at doing it or finding lighthouses and doing this. What's What's driving it? How do you how do you get the ball moving? How do you move the needle? So that's that's very cool. So can you can you walk us through sort of a typical and I don't know if there is a typical environment, but for, for how your customers are, are onboarding their applications. So are they are they typically taking existing .NET applications and moving them to these new environments? Are they writing new things? What's the what's that typical model for onboarding and onto the pla- onto the uh, Apprenda platform? You know, we get both. Um, one of the things that I'll say first is that the Apprentice platform was designed to be able to onboard existing .NET apps as much as possible. So what we have is the ability to look at a specific set of .NET architectures and support them out of the box so they can be forklifted into the platform. In that context, customers get excited because they can look at their portfolio of 1,000 or 2,000 .NET apps and say, wow, you know, there are a few hundred that fit that profile. We'd love to re-host them, if you will, on the Apprentice Pass and get the sort of benefit so that we can get the scalability, the high availability, the easy management. Um, but they're not, in that context, tapping into any of the, I guess, explicit value the platform might have. So things like our APIs and, and of that nature. Um, so I think what we see typically in a customer is that they like the idea of the rehosting, and that's their first avenue. They typically say, and this actually happens all the way at the POC stage, 
they'll look at their application portfolio and say, hey, Apprenda to prove that this technology is what you say it is, we'd love to take these two, three apps, move them to the platform, get a sense for uh, how it works and know what it's going to do for our app. And they start there. And once they get excited enough by it and they bring it in-house as a, as a full-time kind of production instance, then it moves on into how does this equip us with greenfield applications. Now, I speculate that once a customer is using this for, say, two, three years, it'll be almost all greenfield because the apps that would have brought o- can be brought over would have been brought over. Yeah. Um, so there's some, there's some sort of like expiration date there with respect to when that portfolio stops being interesting uh, as, a, as a re-hosting platform. Right, right. Okay. Now... So, you know, it was interesting. So you, you sort of talked about, uh, when we were talking about definitions, and I hate to kind of hash through definitions, but sometimes it's good for people to kind of go, okay, as I transition from an older model to something newer. Sometimes people talk about platform as a service as sort of this blending between, uh, you know, the developer environment and, and, and the infrastructure sort of goes away. I don't want to say goes away, but you don't see it anymore. It's, it's, it's just there. It's taken care of. Your definitions seem to be more kind of like a blending of, of the developers and, and operations. What, for the guys that, let, let's say you're, you're running an IT shop, um, what, what, what do the infrastructure guys see from a PaaS platform? Does it just look like you, know, you run servers and networks and just keep them up and running like you did? Or, or do you find that, that from their view of the world, um, the way they deal with, with that PaaS platform is a little bit different. Is there, is there any noticeable, distinct changes from, from their view of the world? There are a few, yeah. I mean, we try to normalize it as much as possible. In Apprenda, what we do is we, we break, literally have two portals, one for each of those groups. We have a portal for the platform owner, as we refer to it in our, in our terminology. And the platform owner is responsible for making sure that the PaaS is in tip-top shape. In that portal, uh, which we call the, the Systems Operations Center, they log in. And they can see all of the infrastructure components. They understand, you know, how, how many hundreds or thousands of servers are underneath the hood. Uh, they can look at workload allocations. So as applications get shuttled around from server to server, they'll know where those things are. And they can also control centralized policy that might be platform-wide or segmented to a certain part of the platform. So their view of the world is similar in that they still see the IT infrastructure and they know what's going on behind the scenes. What's different is that everything is done in aggregate. Um, it's very rare. Pass, pass starts to break down if you start to chunk out pieces of everything and make them exceptions to the rule because what will happen is it will diverge back to the old model, which is, well, you know, we specialize around every single application, every single piece of hardware. Um, so that's the thing that is different is that this aggregate notion of everything is surfaced in that portal. Uh, for the developer, however, it is a little different. Developers still today are used to communicating about things in terms of IT infrastructure components. So I need you know, this server or these servers. I need these CNAME records updated. I need these load balancers updated. Instead, what happens in Apprenda is that they communicate through the platform in terms of their app components. So they might upload their app, and they might describe certain requirements, like how much CPU and RAM is needed. Um, they might describe security requirements, things of that nature but they never touch the details because the platform acts as the broker. And the platform will consume those, map them to the infrastructure on the fly, and deal with that on their, on their own. So for the dev, it is a very different experience. Yeah. So from a, from a dev perspective, what tools do you have to help them from, uh, from a productivity play? So Cloud Foundry, for example, has you know, the, their micro cloud where I can download it. It is self-contained. I can push locally, blah, blah, and have some confidence that when I push into the uh, the shared system, uh, my application will behave uh, and, and will work. So uh, what, what similar tools do you have uh, from an Apprenda perspective? 
Yeah, great question. So uh, we're a bit of the granddaddy in this space. We've been around since 2007, and we, we took a lot of lessons early on when uh, we got this as developers' hands for the first time. And in 2009, we actually took a similar approach. We released a, for lack of a better term, a micro-cloud version of the product that we've had for the past couple of years, where a developer literally can download off our website, Apprenda Express, install it, and they have a full-blown mini-paz, if you will, running on their laptop or desktop. So one is we try to normalize the sense of portability between their development experience and their target production or staging clouds. Um, in that context, they can, they can, with high reliability, know that if it's running locally, it's going to run there because the, the full representation of platform services is at parity. It's totally equal with what they're going to expect in production. Um, so one, that the ability to run the PaaS locally is a key component of that developer tooling and experience. Uh, two is we provide integrations with Visual Studio to do things like auto package applications. So let's say that I have, um, I don't know, a Visual Studio solution that has a bunch of projects in it, my SQL scripts. I can point the Apprenda packaging system at it and it will spit out a zip file that essentially is structured in a way that Apprenda can consume it. And it also can uh, provide configuration information in there that uh, Apprenda will use during a deploy step. Clearly, that can be done manually, but the type of tooling we bring to the developer experience is to make things move as quickly as possible for them. And then we have things like a command line that lets you control applications, push applications to your cloud, uh, whether it be local or remote, um, and then provide a web portal on top of that where a developer can do all of the same things they do on the command line, but through a point-and-click portal experience, uh, given that we know that different devs like different approaches to that. So you were you were sort of the center of a, of a recent thread uh, on LinkedIn or on one of the communities. You know, um, ben Cappies was was sort of asking the question about um, should should people be looking at a PaaS platform that's focused on one language or one that's uh, you know multi language or sometimes the term polyglots thrown around so it supports Java and Python and Ruby and and you, and you talked about sort of the some of the decisions that somebody might make between one that is very, very focused on a, on a single uh, space, right? So we talk about .NET versus something else. Like, for people that are trying to understand the architecture, um, what, what types of decisions at a PaaS architecture perspective do you make when you support multiple languages versus, you know, a, a single language or a smaller subset of that? Yeah, good question. Um, maybe one way to reframe it is what architecture decisions can't you make if you support sure. multiple And that, that's how we've thought about it. Yeah. Um, so... A, there are a couple of different PaaS models from an architecture point of view. One, uh, the, the models tend to hover around how our applications isolated from one another. So a great example is some PaaS offerings use virtualization as their container. So they'll cut out a VM each time an application component is deployed. And that's the, that's the unit of isolation. It's very coarse-grained. But in that context, you can actually put anything you want in that VM workload because uh, the platform doesn't necessarily know or care about the bits and how they behave. Another model is where you do isolation intra-OS. So I'm uh, building a new container model that application components might run in, and that has certain implications. Now, when we talk about polyglot versus single language, the reason this is so important is that the depth or richness of uh, value is critical in that equation. What happens if you're supporting multiple languages? You know, let's call it n. It could be 10, 50, whatever. Um, if I'm supporting N languages, the only way to do that effectively in a single PaaS container that has a common architecture is to do it at a lowest common denominator level, meaning that I can only do things that are common across all the languages. If not, then my value starts to break down. I don't have parity between the languages. So I'm treating you know one group of languages as a different class of citizen versus another. 
And that's very important because what that means from a uh, architecture and value point of view is that I'm always racing to the bottom. I'm doing the things that are most minimally supported across all languages, and that's a very narrow scope of capabilities. Things like PHP, .NET, and Java are drastically different from one another. That lowest common denominator bar is very, very low. If I choose a language and I go for deep support, what I architecturally do get to do is do things like runtime level instrumentation. So for example, in the Apprenda platform, we get very nitty gritty with .NET and the CLR to do some very interesting behavior like inject multi-tenancy into your app so you can get a salesforce.com style architecture without having to do any of the work. Um, if we wanted to, we could use the instrumentation capabilities to monitor things at the lowest possible level in .NET and surface amazing telemetry to the developer. All of that gets lost if you support all of these languages because there's no common way to do it. And what will likely happen in these polyglot passes is that they'll start to bias toward the language that it's most used for. And it'll just be a marketing point. There are 70 other languages on the platform as opposed to any sort of meaningful value. Uh, I hope that, that answers your question. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's good. And, and obviously that's something that a lot of people are looking at, um, you know, both in terms of the the catalog of applications or the you know the, the developer background they have, but but also it's it's good to start to think about okay, what's like you said, what's behind these sort of call it list of features, if you will? Uh, are they relevant to me? Are they not relevant to me? What are the trade offs? And um, so no, that was that was very very good. So you mentioned uh, early on when we were when we were talking, you sort of said um, you know Prenda is um, you know can run in a lot of places, but you, you mentioned that it's very complementary to something like. Uh, Microsoft Azure. Can you can you sort of walk us through when people bring up that conversation and they say, you know, we're we're a heavy .NET shop. We've got a lot of applications. We're trying to figure out, do we do things ourselves? Does, do we do we look at something like Microsoft? Where do you got, How do you play in that ecosystem? Where do you see the synergies or the you know the connection points? And and how do you talk to a customer that's like, you know, I'd like to know what my options might be not only today but you know, a year from now, two years from now? What's that conversation look like? Yeah, sure, great question. So um, one is we always get people to focus on what's available today. There's always, uh, that we, if we sat and sat back and said, well, what are the next, I don't know, 50 things that are going to happen in five years, we might yeah. punt on everything hoping that something magical comes out. So in our context, we talk to our customers and say, look, this is the footprint you have today internally. These are the applications you have, and these are the things you want to accomplish from a cloud point of view, which you can't do in public cloud because of your own constraints. So rather than bring you to the PaaS, we can bring, bring the PaaS to you. And uh, we walked them through that evidence point, but um, what happens next is a discussion that you asked, well, how does this align with Microsoft and Azure and everything else going on? First, on the Windows Server side, we have to remember that Windows Server is a tremendously important part of Microsoft's business. Um, although Azure is all the rage strategically right now, Windows Server 8's coming out, a lot of the focus that they have there is around improving uh, private cloud experience, if you will. And we're such a huge complement to that. We make it so easy at that point to consume Windows Server 8, uh, SQL Server, uh, that those assets running in private IT end up being that much more valuable both to the customer and to Microsoft, frankly, because they want a private cloud story that's, that's very powerful. And we fulfill that. There is no technology stack that does that in the private cloud context. But the most important thing is why this relates to Azure. Uh, one is a soft value. It's, it's fundamental, though. Culturally, as you guys mentioned earlier, an organization cloud is is changing things quite a bit. And that's true both for private cloud and public cloud. What happens when Apprenda is deployed is that the culture starts to change. The way people behave, the developers, the IT operators, are in a much more quote-unquote cloudy way. Um, so we end up being a cultural stepping stone to public cloud in the context that um, you know, you're talking about. 
And I think that's super important because it's such a friction point in general. And if internally they get comfortable with consuming things on a cloud basis, the propensity for them to want to move to Azure in the future goes up. Uh, second is that we provide symmetry. So the patterns that you might use on Apprenda are very similar to what you use on Azure. But more importantly, we as a company are aligning with that. And we're looking at whether it's appropriate for us to uh, ensure that Apprenda runs on Azure itself. And if it were to do that, then a customer can say, well, geez, I'm going to put all my workloads privately for now. But I don't know, maybe this year the regulatory environment changed and these 50 apps I can move out to the public cloud. And they have a portability guarantee. They have a target running on a Microsoft data center that ensures that sort of uh, transition capability. Um, so you know, that's something that we're always looking at and trying to understand better. We have no commitments on it yet, but uh, it's, I think, where the story will evolve over time. Okay, very cool. Um, so w- one last question. I want to be conscious of your time. You've got a company to run. Um, so you know, as you look out across 2012, obviously, uh, you know, Prenda's, like you said, you've been around, you've been doing this for a number of years, so it's not just about you know, are we doing something, you know, net new? What, what, do you, what are you looking at in, in, in your space uh, in terms of 2012? What, what do you see as the, the exciting things coming, the, the, the sort of, you know, looking into the crystal ball? What, what's 2012 hold for both, you know, Prenda, but also for Paz as a, as a section of the industry uh, going forward? Yeah, great question. I think uh, that pulls together a lot of what we talked about so far. Um, and I'll give you some context from Prenda. Uh, in our point of view, we focus on three demographics. We focus on enterprise IT in the private or the private context. We focus on independent software vendors, kind of the, the larger variety, We're looking to transition to software as a service. And uh, third, we look at service providers, the hosters of the world that want to become PaaS vendors and equipping them with that capability. And for 2012, I think what, what we're seeing based on the evidence of uh, Q4 2011 and what's happening at the beginning part of this year is, one, we're starting to understand that service providers are becoming much more serious about becoming cloudy. They want to be PaaS vendors. Uh, most of them do not want to sell ping, power, and pipe. They want to be differentiated. They know that it's important strategically for them. And I think we'll see adoption this year of um, you know kind of the more traditional hosters starting to offer their own cloud offerings based on third-party vendor technologies. Um, and that's true for all passes. I mean, we see it at Apprenda. You can look at Cloud Foundry and see what they're doing and seeing that some people pick up uh, that as a, as a service provider model. Um, so that's a big part of this year, in my opinion. Second is on enterprise IT, we're probably going to see a lot of uh, disambiguity. There's been a lot of ambiguity as to what PaaS is and how it applies to their IT infrastructure. And I think it goes back to some of the conversations we talked about earlier, like polyglot versus single language. Fundamentally, what's going to happen in 2012 is practical experience is going to make it into enterprise IT, and they'll make decisions based on that experience instead of, you know, off of marketing points. And a good example is, um, you know, most organizations have 30, 40, 50% of their apps written in .NET, 30, 40, 50% written in Java. And to think that they're going to choose a platform that's lowest common denominator across those doesn't make sense. I think what they'll find is that they want best of breed because they have such huge investments in each of those categories. And they'll know that once they start touching technologies, playing with the technologies, and realizing that uh, having something that supports any one of those richly is more valuable than something that supports all of them in a shallow way. Okay. Uh, and 2011 was the year where a lot of experimentation happened that created the sort of knowledge that would make these decisions possible. Very, very cool. 
Well, um, so guys, I think we're running out of time. Sinclair, uh, thank you very much for your time. Uh, Clint, as always, thanks for riding shotgun and, uh, and, and, and asking great questions. Um, so we're out of time. Um, for folks uh, that want to learn more, we'll, we'll, uh, we're going to post some of the videos um, that Sinclair has done about describing the platform on the website. Um, so uh, you can follow us on Twitter at the Cloudcast Net or reach us on the web at, at uh, thecloudcast.net. You'll find links to the show, uh, all the show notes from today. If you want to leave us a comment, you can go about doing that. And you can also find ways to stream the show on Stitcher. So for Sinclair and for Clint, uh, thanks to everybody for listening this morning, and uh, have a great day. You too. Thanks a lot, guys. <laughs>